up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. Bang. I'm your host, Matt Guest. With me out in Vegas is Matt Morris. What is up, man? How is the end of baseball season treating you now that we are officially a quarter of the way through football season? Baseball playoffs are right around the corner right now. Our Brewers are dead. Brewers are dead, thankfully. Um, like I said on last podcast, I went to one of, the, one of the games and it was like really disappointing to see the environment, kind of just see how the fan base was not supporting this team, including myself as a very, very big baseball fan because of the product they put on the field. Um, and here we are, you know, end of, uh, I guess, start of October, and the Phillies win the game today. Brewers win as well, but uh, via the numbers, they were eliminated. Done. And I think rightfully so. The Phillies are more deserving from a roster construction perspective of a playoff opportunity, right? They have the big superstar in Bryce Harper. They have the guys that are known around the league like JT Real Muto, uh, Nick Castellanos, you know, Kyle Schwarber is still out there hitting home runs. And then you have the pitching staff. You have Zach Wheeler. You have Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola went five innings today, had a no-hitter going. Uh, ended up having the wow. no-hitter broken up. But uh, just had, just happy for baseball to have the right teams in the playoffs this year because I don't think the product from the Brewers' perspective would have been a very good product to promote. And I think Philadelphia, now you have that NL East firing on all cylinders with the Phillies, the Mets, as well as the Braves, uh, all in there fighting for a World Series opportunity. And I think that's a really good chance for them to pump up the marketing campaign because this is East Coast. They lean on those East Coast teams pretty heavily uh, in big markets as well. And um, it was interesting to think about, I was thinking about a possible sale of the Milwaukee Brewers because Antinacio obviously being a capital hedge fund manager, bought the Brewers as an investment opportunity for his capital fund. Um, I think it's time that possibly he moves on from the team over the next five years. Um, you know, he, he's unwilling to put the money into the organization that's required and he's putting a poor product on the field. Now, a lot of franchises can say the same thing, but I think the city of Milwaukee deserves a better product for as much as they are willing to turn through those turnstiles. But it had me thinking about from a perspective of like per capita in Milwaukee, Vegas still doesn't have a team, right? Like Vegas is 3 million people strong. Milwaukee is about a million and my thought was just simply like, hey, what if we see one of these smaller market teams like the Brewers, the Royals, we've talked about the Rays possibly being sold before. What if it's not the Oakland A's that end up here in Vegas, but what if it is the Brewers? What if it is the Rays? Because from a deserving mar uh, market perspective, we have 3 million people that will come through these gates. And if you look at what the Raiders have done so far, especially this last week, where it was a predominantly 50-50 split between Raider fans and Bronco fans. It was, this city has proven with the Raiders, the Knights, that people will come to your games. Um, so, you know, ending in the tangent, I'm just thinking to myself, hey, I would start threatening my ownership group and say from a, a league perspective, like, you know, if you guys aren't willing to spend money, these smaller markets, you know, we will consider moving a franchise to a different city. It's a conversation we will probably have to have closer to baseball season next year. Yeah, definitely a good off-season topic. I don't disagree with you. And to add to Las Vegas, um, their women's basketball team. Uh, I think yep. they're the. I think they're the aces. Yep. Um, they had a killer championship parade. It looks like they get a decent support out there more than any women's team in LA, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Well, I think there's only the Sparks, but yeah, man, I, I agree with you. Until going back to the baseball talk on all this, like. Dude, I don't want to see the Brewers in the playoffs. Like, I don't yep. need to that watch that embarrassment. Like, as a baseball fan and a biased baseball fan that is a Brewer fan, I would rather watch the Phillies in the playoffs. I Agreed. really would. They're they're a better baseball team, like you said. They have the stars, they have the pitching, they spent the money. Right? Has it been the best season for the Phillies? 
No, they have had an up and down season to say the least, right? It's been rocky. We both picked them to win the division. They're not close. They just crawled their way in. Um, And you and I were just both a year early on the NLEs type, right? We were both all in on it last year. We said this is going to be the division to watch. Braves end up running away with it this year. About a couple months ago, I'm going to have to go back and repost what I said. I said, Hey Matt, pump the brakes. The Braves are still going to win this division. And it's looking like they're going to edge out the Mets. And that's by far the best division in the national league this year, including the NL West. Um, I'm really excited for the postseason, right? I think we'll probably get to it. What's the date? Today's the third. So it starts a week from today. We'll probably talk a little bit about it on our next episode, but Man, it's in full swing, and uh, October baseball really is the best. It's when I start getting more invested in baseball. I feel like I'm a really good beginning-of-the-season guy. Once this August comes around the corner, I just totally shift into football, Matt, and I ignore baseball, especially when my team's playing like shit, too. That doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my um, my foot's been kind of in the game a little bit more because I obviously had a fantasy well, season fantasy, follow. Yeah. Um, and you know, I still feel like I have a pretty good understanding of where these teams are at. You know, we'll get to that next episode, kind of a, a breakdown of what to expect. Um, but ultimately, like you talked about the Brewers, you know, both of us in agreement here, not making the playoffs is for the best. Uh, I, I think our product is an unfinished product in a lot of ways. We have a couple of kids in the minor league still that are, are meant to be playing in positions that are currently, uh, held by veterans that can really change the dynamic of our roster as well as our mm-hmm. offensive strategy. Bryce Terang, a shortstop being one of them. He's in AAA, had a full year in AAA. He was our first-round pick, kid out of Southern California, very toolsy, uh, doesn't do anything that jumps off the page at you, but he's just a really solid baseball player, and those are some of the guys that you need to build around. Uh, Mitchell, the outfielder that they brought up recently, very fast, came from UCLA, also a very good player, Sal Frisco, another outfielder. These All three of these guys yeah. are meant to be high OBP guys, and guys that are going to cause other teams like hassles on the base paths. That's what I want to watch in September. If you're not going to have the big names, I want to watch <laughs> a group of guys that plays baseball at a very efficient level defensively and offensively. And if you look at where the Brewers are right now, you know, having uh, Luis Arias starting as their cleanup hitter is, I said this last week, it's tough, completely man. unacceptable. He should be the eighth hitter. And to have him at four means five, six, seven, and eight are even worse than him. So from the Brewers, I think they had a nice year. They put together a decent record with their pitching and their bullpen. Um, But really, I I think you're going to start to see over the next couple of years, while Woodruff and Burns are still there, this team offensively kind of come to form. And again, back to Antanasio as the owner's perspective, and this goes for any team, when you've built that foundation of core, good, young players, now you got to go out and spend the money. But the Brewers desperately need a first baseman. They need to go out and get a guy that can hit 280 and hit 30 home runs. As it stands right now, we don't have that. We need that. All right, so we got a fun segment here. We're going to do it in true football fashion. We're going to give our quarter season awards. So the first quarter of the NFL season is officially over. The first four games are done. We have a decent idea of where teams are, where teams are headed. So we're going to do this first part of it is going to be our best team of the first quarter, our worst team of the first quarter, and our biggest surprise team of the first quarter. And then I think we have a few breakout players individually that we're looking forward to for quarter two, Q2, we can call it, of this NFL season. So Matt, I will let you 
run first. I'll let you drive this uh, this best team. I'll let you start, and then I'll go with my best team. So who is your best team of the first quarter of the NFL season? Yeah, for me, it was real simple. You know, what, looking at what the Eagles have been able to do on the field this season, uh, kind of overpowering all of our expectations. If you look at their overall team numbers, they're second in the league in total offensive yards per game. They're third in overall yards allowed per game. That means their offense and their defense is operating at its absolute peak. And I think this team is only going to get better as we go. Uh, they've had some tests, obviously, so far this season in regards to playing catch up as well as kind of holding on to leads. And I think what we've seen so far from Jalen Hurts is the absolute you know, pristine version of what he can be. Uh, looking forward the rest of the season, I think we're going to see uh, more involvement from Devontae Smith. I think what we saw from Miles Sanders this past week is a great show that they have an elite running back when given the ball and when given the volume. And we're going to see kind of the game will get a couple more opportunities, utilize him more in the offense and really leaning on Dallas Goddard a little bit more. All the weapons are there on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line looks very, very sound. And you look at the defense, what Darius Slay was able to do to Justin Jefferson just a few weeks ago. They have their shutdown corner. Uh, the linebackers have been operating at a higher level than I think we expected. And then the rest of that secondary also has been stepping up their game to mirror what Slay has been able to do, knowing that their opportunities are just simply to do their job and to, and to facilitate you know, what the pass rushers are able to do for the team. Uh, overall, the Eagles have just blown me away from the NFC. Uh, they do have some challenges with that division, right? They have the Giants at 2-1, and one, uh, Cow excuse me, 3-1, and one, Cowboys also 3-1. and one. So it's not going to be an easy road necessarily for them. Yeah, it was a little surprising that you would think at 4-0 they'd be kind of running away with the NFC yeah. East right now, especially with Dak being hurt, right? You would think, oh, okay, they're running away with it. Um, we'll see this weekend in London. We'll get to that with the Giants playing the Packers, but I still definitely think they are they're probably the fakest team in the league right now as far as the New York Giants are concerned. Um, the Cowboys are not. We will get to them as well um, later on in the episode talking about some of these matchups coming up this week. I think they might have the best defense in football, and once again, we'll get to that later. But yeah, the Eagles are definitely an easy pick. I think they've been nothing short of impressive. They finally dealt with a little bit of adversity. Doug Peterson coming back home. Hurts easy early pick six in the game. They stumbled off to a bad start, terrible weather, but Hertz ended up showing that MVP poise, bringing them back. And ultimately, Trevor Lawrence did kind of fall apart a little bit in that game, which, you know what, it is what it is. I still think they're a really, really good team. But yeah, the Eagles are great. I did not pick them because I thought one team had three more impressive wins and just had one hiccup throughout the year. So my best team of the first quarter of this NFL season is actually the Kansas City Chiefs. They came out week one, impressed all of us. Tyreek who, right, is what we were thinking when they demolished the Arizona Cardinals. They beat the L.A. Chargers before Herbert got hurt, right? Like, I know he got hurt at the end of that game on Thursday night, but that was a huge win in a game I thought they should not have won, which is impressive to me, similar to what the Eagles just did against Jacksonville, right? They, yeah, they should have won, but at first they were definitely getting dominated. The problem with this argument is the hiccup in Indianapolis. Now, they laid an egg. They played bad. They still should have won the game. Could have, should have, would have, didn't. But I think after what they did Sunday night to Tampa Bay, the intensity Mahomes played with, the QB1 Mahomes was making my argument for me of why I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. 
um, was really, really impressive. On top of that, the offense hasn't skipped a beat without Tyreek Hill. They're seventh in passing, 11th in rushing. They're the second highest scoring team in the NFL. And losing Tyron Matthew on the defensive side hasn't been as big of an impact as I personally thought it would. Uh, they are 12th in points against, which isn't great, but still with worth the rate the offense is going at right now. I personally think the Kansas City Chiefs look like the best team in football right now, four games in, even with that one blunder in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think right now for me too, it's Eagles, Bills, Chiefs. And I, I we said this in the preseason, right? I think we're marching towards Bills, Chiefs you know, over the next five hopefully. years. Hopefully, yeah playoff football matchups we can see yeah hopefully right hopefully that's the matchup we see because both have their question marks too now you know there's been injuries to buffalo secondary uh they still have that great rotational line and that great rotational pass rush there in buffalo but the chiefs big question for me is come playoff time come some of these challenging games how is that secondary going to hold up um you know every team has their question marks but i think the question mark that we were really looking at for this chiefs team was that offense going to be as dominant as it was with tyree kill and it is right it is a patrick mahomes andy reed ran system and it works to absolute perfection um uh, it's going to be really hard to see them kind of having a hiccup throughout this season uh, i just cannot wait for playoff football because that's really when we're going to get to see can they overcome some of the hiccups they had last year right with tyree kill and I really like the evolution of what I've seen so far from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, dude, I totally agree with you. It'll be fun to see um, moving forward. I hope they stay healthy. I hope Buffalo stays healthy as well because um, that that's the matchup we all deserve as NFL fans, honestly. Okay, so let's move on to the second part. We can call this the worst slash most disappointing <laughs> team. Um, I'll let you run first and then I'll go after you. Yeah, I mean, I had to think really hard on this one um, because, you know, I looked at records and looked at kind of what I've seen so far from some of these teams. And then I had to kind of lean on the games that I've been watching a lot of. And my choice here is going to be the Denver Broncos. I think the expectations we had talked about in the preseason was going to be that they were going to have to fight for a playoff spot because of the division that they fall in. But the overall objective was, hey, they've got Russ Wilson. You know, we were really high on Sutton. We thought Judy had an opportunity to have a really good breakout um, obviously Williams was our, our guy, right? We love him at the running back position yeah. and having a backup of Melvin Gordon was huge. Like everything that was playing in their favor, as well as having a good defense and a solid offensive line. And here we are four weeks in, we have massive question marks about the play calling. We have massive question marks about Hackett as a head coach in general, the clock management, uh, the way that he's constructing the plays. And then you put into the equation how Russ Wilson has fared. Like it has not been a good four weeks for Wilson. I was able to put up some points this week, but I watched a good part of that game, and it was just really disappointing to see that the play calling and the way that they were ultimately executing drives, they were stalling out before things even got started. And then to see Williams go down. I think Williams, to me, from <sighs> kind of a secondary Broncos fan, put fantasy aside. I really enjoyed watching him. Um, I thought when he had the ball in his hands, he had maybe top five, maybe one of the better versions of not only explosiveness, but actual power as well. And I felt through the first three weeks, I just didn't give him enough chances. Obviously, week one, I think he had 11 catches, so that was a lot. But Melvin Gordon has had four fumbles this season yet alone, and in that game, I'm screaming, okay, get Williams in. Of course, <laughs> Williams you know, gets tackled. I didn't really even see where the knee injury happened because it, it looked as though it was maybe a non-contact slash fall-on injury. Uh, but toward the ACL, toward the LCL, going to be out for the year. And honestly, it, I think the Broncos have fallen into a black hole. I think this season is going to get away from them very quickly. 
Um, and that comes from just a perspective of who their head coach is now. I think they made a massive mistake hiring Hackett with the hope that Rodgers would come over. And I do not think he gels very well with Russell. And the last thing I'll say is the only hope of fixing this is to lean more on the, the singular play that he had downfield for 55 yards um, to the younger wide receiver that is coming back from his ACL. The name eludes me. But that's where Russ was oh, most Hamler. effective. Yeah. Hamler, yep. Uh, that's where Russ was most effective in Seattle. And we just haven't seen enough of that. We talked about possibly the arm strength. Well, on that throw, it looked just fine. Um, we're going to get some of our breakouts in the second half here a little bit later, but I do have a projection. If this team wants to kind of tread water, what's going to have to happen and who's going to have to step up. Yeah. Um, they're definitely on the, they're on the short list of the most disappointing teams. Yeah. They're two and two, but that's the eye test. They're not two and two, right? Similar to what I said about the giants. They're a little bit of a fake team, right? The bears at two and two. Okay. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not that good either. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting, man. Javante Williams going down really, really sucks. A fantasy aside, right, man? Like, you and I are getting more invested into these guys every single year that we're covering the draft, right? And, you know, going down the line, honestly, him and Mike Carter might have been our favorite running backs from last yeah. year. Like, I know they had, we had the marquee guys, the Najee Harris, right? Like, we love Najee. Of course, Najee's going to be good, but you and I were banging the drum. Like, these kids from North Carolina are really good. And we drafted him last year and we had him this year and he was showing so much promise. Um, I think that impact is really going to be felt a month down the line from now. It'll be all fun and games. I bet Melvin Gordon plays great for the next three weeks. I'm sure he does, but it's just not going to be sustainable for them. And yeah, losing your starting running backs is going to kill you, especially in that division. Now, um, like I said, they're on the short list, but I think there's one team that is more disappointing, the worst we can call, than any other team in the NFL. They play in probably the worst division in football. They have arguably the best running back in football and arguably one of the the best defenses in football. Yet, they're terrible. And that's the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, Matt, are scoring 14.3 points per game through four games. They've lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've tied the Houston Texans and now they've lost to the Tennessee Titans now they did somehow some way beat the Chiefs who I think are the best team in the NFL right now shit happens any given Sunday right but what you you speaking of the eye test you cannot look at the Indianapolis Colts watch a quarter of football there and not think that everything's falling apart I can't believe Frank Reich still has a job I can't believe they can't get the offensive line together. And I truly can't believe they're averaging 14.3 points a game. That's unacceptable for a team with that level of superstardom, all the pro bowlers from last year that came back by far my most disappointing worst team in the NFL through four games, Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. And I think when you look at the Colts, you know, I was banging on the drum uh, for right to be fired a couple of weeks ago. I think it was after week one. And I, I think what we might be seeing here is something similar to what we saw and are seeing in Denver as well as in Green Bay, where you just don't understand the players that you have on offense yet. Yeah. And I think this is a big issue that Reich has um, with Matt Ryan being you know a new addition, a little bit different than Carson Wentz. Right? Wentz had the ability to be a little bit more mobile. Um, he had he had the kind of the excelled ability when he was with Philadelphia to get out of the pocket and be more of a a rollout quarterback, Matt Ryan is going to be having to stick in that pocket and throw. And I don't think we've seen them lean on that running game enough. And I don't think we've seen them lean on Nikeem Hines enough yet either. 
Nope. You know, this needs to be a very, very West Coast offense, simplified tight end running back game, utilizing Michael Pittman, 10 to 11 you know, targets a game and lean on the slot. And I, I just don't think they've found their identity on offense. And with their ability to have beaten the Chiefs, I think there is hope for them this season. I would give them a lot more hopefulness than I would the Broncos. Um, <laughs> obviously, Jonathan Taylor just suffered an injury. It was ruled not to be too serious, so that's really good for the team. Um, and again, they're fighting in a division where there's a lot of opportunity. So definitely disappointed so far. Um, you know, obviously calling for the head coach to be fired. You would expect a team to be on this list of most disappointing. But I do <laughs> think there is a chance for them to turn this around. But it, it ultimately lies on the play calling of that coaching staff as well as Matt Ryan's ability. Matt Ryan might just be done. You know, we'll yeah, find out. He I looks think he, bad. Yeah, he looks bad. But you know, put him in a put him in a situation to be successful as well with what you have, right? We talk about that a lot with Rodgers, where it's like sometimes open up the offense for Rodgers. Maybe it's the opposite for Matt Ryan. Scale it down, minimize things, and really make this a grinded out football team, which is what it should have been, right? From day one. Matt Ryan, you shouldn't be throwing the ball more than 20 times a game, honestly. Well, and two, the wide receivers are not very good. You know, like I like Mike Pittman. He's good, but like He's not a number one. He can't be your number one wide receiver. You know what He's I mean? He's a number like Paris, one with a, with a great Campbell, quarterback. Like, it, ugh, yeah. It, you know, I, I think that's Pittman, tough, bro. Pittman with Rodgers could be a number one, but Pittman with sure. Ryan can't, right? Like, and I think what we really need to do is look back sometimes. I was having this conversation at work about Julio Jones and kind of his greatness in his prime, um, especially Matt Ryan's MVP season. How much better did Julio Jones make Matt Ryan? Oh, you know, yeah. you, you never can really tell and with some Ridley of these guys. Too. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So again, though, Ryan's older, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. You, you, they took the risk and as it stands right now, it's not working out. No, not at all. All right, Matt, biggest surprise, most encouraging team from the first quarter of the season. Who you got? All right. So I have one and then I have just one I want to slightly touch on because I'm just kind of excited. One A, one B. Yes. Yeah. But one A is more important. It's the Jaguars. Um, <laughs> you know, I watched the highlights of what they did uh, this past weekend with with Philadelphia. Didn't get to watch the game. Um, weather was really an issue in this game. And I guess I didn't realize that when I was actually looking at some of the numbers of the box score. But when yeah. I watched it, you could see it evident that this was this was not as bad as the Chicago game. But there, the weather was an impact. It's bad. I, I think Lawrence has not had enough experience yet to really kind of change the way his play style is in those environments, in the weather, uh, being in year two. But I was just really impressed with their ability to come out and get a lead. I've been impressed with the way that they've been operating all season. And I have some numbers here that actually really surprised me when I think about where their record is, as well as the efficiency. Uh, they are 20th in total offense. That's pretty bad. So what that tells me is there's opportunity there. Uh, now, if you've watched some of the Jags games or you've looked at box scores, James Robinson has been a really big piece in this offense. They've done a good job of controlling the, uh, the, the overall time of possession in games. Uh, so I expect that offense to slowly climb up as Lawrence gets more comfortable in year two and continues to develop because he's already light years ahead of where he was last year. And then for defense, they're 14th in the league in yards allowed. Um, you know, there's been a lot around the league with them, you know, having a decent slash more moderately put together foundation on defense. And I don't think playing the Eagles this past week helped them very much when it comes to four weeks of numbers. But to me, I would expect both of those to finish top 15. I would expect that defense to possibly climb into the top 10 when the year's over for the simple fact of the divisional play. 
you know, they're going to have the games against the Titans as well as the, the Colts and the Texans to really put together some good yardage, some some good games where the defense can have takeaways. Um, and then that offense ultimately top 15. I want to see Travis Etienne utilized a lot more in the passing game, get some more opportunities in the running game because I think he is still an explosive player. And then my team B is the <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Um, simply... Bravo. They're building. They're in they're first build, place, dude. <laughs> they're building something, and like, dude, we shit on them in the preseason. I mean, yeah, they uh, were an automatic it, when we were yeah. doing like, who's gonna win, who's gonna lose, how many wins, how many losses. Atlanta was an automatic, like, yeah, it's a dub. Mm-hmm. They'll beat Atlanta. But to be good, able man. to, Mariota, like, man. Well, and just to be able to like build a winning culture, right? I think that's really big. Like, look how long it I took the, the Browns and the Lions to rebuild the the locker room, the foundation right. of the franchise. Like Mariota can go out there and win six or seven games this year, and they can continue to add pieces to this team, draft a quarterback. Um, like I, I think they're going to move in the right direction. The only downside to this, them being a kind of surprise, is every game you win, you get a little bit farther away from Bryce Young and uh, CJ Shroud. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. I I agree with you. I totally agree with that. Uh, you know that hurts, but man, like you said, like it's all about the culture and mm-hmm. shit. You know, there there are a few players away, no doubt about it. But that Drake London pick looks great. Pitts hasn't even started playing good yet this year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hey, they, they might be competing for that division this year, man. Like, I don't I don't know. It's so early, but they might. And I think going to your 1A team, I think the Jaguars are winning that division. Yeah, I think their I defense is playing that well. I think, like you said, Lawrence is taking steps <laughs> forward, and your boy Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and James and James Robinson—they're playing their ass off and they're playing hard. Uh, the culture switch there has been something really, really good, and um, I really like both of those teams. I have a different team whose culture, I guess, can say has switched for the better because their starting quarterback doesn't go to the bar till two in the morning before their games anymore. And they have a guy who's playing his heart out. They do have the worst defense in football, ah, second to worst defense in football. But my most surprising team that I'm actually somewhat encouraged by is the Seattle Seahawks, man. They had that super emotional win Monday night over Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. But man, I didn't see Geno Smith playing like this. Honestly, I didn't. He looked good last year when he was replacing Russ for those, what, like month, month and a half that he played. But I didn't expect him to be this solid of a quarterback. Now, I know what he did last week was against the Lions, who maybe have the worst defense next to them. Um, But you know what? They're playing hard. They're not going to be the worst team in football. I think the Falcons in Seattle were probably the two teams we were disrespecting the most in the play in the preseason. If if I'd have to remember correctly, those are probably the two teams. And what Geno's doing, what uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Rashad Penny, they're going out there and playing competitive football, and that's all you can ask. And shit, they are tied for first place that entire NFC West after this Monday Night Football game is two and two. And um, I just didn't see that coming. Well, I think the big takeaway from from both of those organizations, Atlanta and Seattle, you know, is as a, a football nation, we need to sometimes remind ourselves not to write off these first round picks, these former <laughs> first round picks. Mariota and Gino, both guys that uh, were taken by the Jets, by the Tennessee Titans to kind of reshape that organization and just weren't the guys that the, the organizations thought they Wrong were going to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. And here they are as seasoned veterans, given the opportunity to really sit back, learn a, learn an offense, at least for Gino's perspective. He's been engrossed in that Seattle organization now for a while, coming out and utilizing the weapons that he has. You know, I think <clears throat> there's I without a that. question, 
you can say that Seattle's weapons are far and away better than what Atlanta has, right? Because London and Pitts are emerging players, but you have DK, Lockett, and Penny. Penny is no joke. We saw that last season. I think he was disrespected in fantasy drafts this year because of the uncertainty with this team. Teams assuming they were going to be bad and having to throw in the third and fourth quarter. So why would you run the ball? Why would you need Penny? But when you really look at what Pete Carroll has been able to do there, it's round up the troops around him, utilize his weapons, utilize his strengths, and lean on that. And the perfect example of that was the Lions. I know 48, uh, 45, if I am correct, with the final Something score of that crazy game. crazy like that, yeah, man. You know, they played the worst defense. And, well, they were just good enough to squeak it out. Um, I think that's going to be one of the funnest games of the year, personally, because, you know, just two bad teams that are trying to set a new precedent for their organization. And I think also, you know, both of those teams, the Lions as well as Seattle, are headed in different directions, right? Like, you have to reshape defenses for both teams, but – if you look at the narrative from the right, the preseason, it was okay. Goff's got to go. Geno's got to go. You got to draft a quarterback for both. Well, now you're really sitting back, looking at the next couple of years here, and saying, "Well, hey, maybe we got our guy. Maybe all we have to do is go out and get some pieces for our defenses, and we can actually start competing in our divisions now." Right? Um, it's very interesting narrative to follow, but I am absolutely in agreement with you. The Seattle Seahawks were disrespected, and they are very surprising. I'm happy to say that. Okay, so last thing for our quarter season awards, we're going to move to Q2. Now we're going to shift our conversation to quarter number two of the season here in our sales meeting today. Um, who, are, who are we projecting, Matt, to break out over the next four games and who are going to be household names, who are going to be dominating over the next four games? In your opinion, I know you have a solid group of guys. Yeah, so I have three big players I expect over the next four games to break out for their respected teams. George Pickens for the Steelers being number one, Brian Robinson being activated today for Washington, and then Jerry Judy for Denver. Kind of talked about Denver. Here is the player that I expect to jump out. Starting off with George Pickens, we saw a nice 100-yard game this past weekend with Kenny Pickett kind of coming into that offense. Over the next four games, though, he does have a test. He plays Buffalo, Tampa Bay, um, two big defenses that he's going to have to really kind of showcase his talent level against but what we've seen so far from Pickens is ability to separate as well as an ability to catch a contested football and speed all of those things in my opinion lead to a possible huge breakout and possibly putting him in the conversation for a number one kind of option for Pickett in this Steelers offense Moving on to Brian Robinson, kind of coming back from the gunshot wounds. The activation, I think, is very exciting for the organization, but also fantasy football owners that have owned him. He has a couple tough matchups in Minnesota um, as well as Indy, but he does get to play Chicago and Green Bay. If you look at Chicago and Green Bay over the course of this season, they have had lackluster defenses against the run. I think it's going to be his option to get out there and really pound the football. It just depends how damaged was he from those gunshots. And I would expect if they're going to be activating him, he is fully ready to go. Then Jerry Judy. We lost Williams this past week. I think that was a huge blow, not only from the run game, from the pass game. If you've watched the way that Russ has utilized Williams this season, it's really been his safety blanket. And I think he's going to have to replace that with somebody just as explosive. And the only person that I see from that position on that roster is Jerry Judy. Shorter intermediate routes, allowing Judy to take that ball and really be a playmaker. These three players, I think, could have huge impact in fantasy and definitely guys that are going to be fun to watch the rest of this four-game stretch that we have in Q2. I love it, bro. I love it. I love all three of those guys. Um, hoping Robinson comes back more for personal reasons than just like, yeah, he'd be a great fantasy asset to go pick up for your waiver wire going into week. What are we going into week five here? My guy, though. Um, 
I think this is the no doubt number one guy to look out for, not only for Q2, but as we project ourselves through the rest of the season here and even into the playoffs because he is on a playoff contending team. Um, as a rookie wide receiver, he ranks number one in catch percentage, number one in passer rating when targeted, number one in yards after catch, fourth in catches, fourth in receiving yards. And, you know, he does have two touchdowns already on the season. None other than Aaron Rodgers' new number one target, Romeo Dobbs. Now, if you watched any Packers stuff from the preseason, the hype was real on Romeo. And we finally saw it against New England. Yes, we got the taste. We got the appetizer. We got the tease against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But what you saw against New England this past weekend is as a Packer fan, fantasy owner, or just a general fan of the NFL, Romeo Dobbs fumbles first drive of the game, right? Usually Rodgers steers away from the rookie after that. What does he do? He goes to Dobbs on a back shoulder fade at the end of the game for a touchdown and then could have hit Dobbs on one of the most freaking sweetest plays <laughs> deep at the end of the game. Romeo landed on the ground a little too hard and dropped the ball. Mark my words, Romeo Dobbs will be the number one receiver for the Green Bay Packers moving forward throughout the season. He has the highest ceiling out of any receiver on the team, and he has the most explosiveness. Romeo Dobbs is my breakout star for Q2 and beyond. Yeah, man. I mean, I said this to you off the air. I think after watching four games from Green Bay this year, um, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of a combination of Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. Now, obviously, Devontae Adams, possibly a future Hall of Famer. Jordy Nelson, a Green Bay Packer Hall of Famer in, in his own organizational regard. Yeah. But if you look at what Dobbs has been able to do as a rookie, it's very different from what those two did coming into the league. They had players surrounding them. Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, I think was still there when uh, Jordy was taken. Uh, you know, Devontae comes in. We had a full octane offense with <laughs> yeah, Finley, yeah. Jordy, Cobb. Didn't have to come in and play and play at a position where Jennings was need. still there too. Yep. Like the team was yep. stacked. Yeah. And, and Devontae flat out was not ready year one or two. Um, and we could say the same thing for Jordy, you know, taking him out of, uh, I think it was Kansas or Kansas State. Kansas just State. wasn't, yeah, wasn't fully engrossed in a pro offense. And here comes Dobbs year one. The need is there. And we're seeing the skill set fully out front of us. You know, his ability to separate, incredible. His ability to catch the short intermediate pass, wait for the play to develop and move upfield above average, right? His ability to play in the slot as well as outside, outside above average. This is a rookie in the NFL. Um, I think with a couple of years of Aaron Rodgers, we could be talking about a very, very special player and kudos to Aaron Rodgers, right? We talk a lot about the player is only as good as the guy throwing him the ball. We kind of had that conversation with Matt Ryan and Pittman Jr. Well, he's got the arguably the best thrower of the football of all time. Um, and that ball he put on Dobbs to kind of wrap the, the fourth quarter this past weekend was beautiful. Um, the more times that he can throw a ball like that to Dobbs, the more time Dobbs can find out how to get his body control like he did on the, the corner fade where he readjusted, jumped in front of it, caught the touchdown. All things I'm very, very impressed with. Um, this kid is going to be very special. Yeah, and Rodgers even said, not too many guys I'm throwing a back shoulder fade to as a rookie, you know, and just said, I've got all the confidence in the world in Romeo Dobbs. Like, you just don't, you really don't see that from Aaron, man. Like, you know, all, and, and it's just funny. And we'll wrap this up before we get into um, this week's worth of games. But just from a Packers fan, and I know we've been a little Wisconsin heavy on the pod today, but 
you get in this narrative for Green Bay Packers fans and the Packers narrative has been for the past, what, Matt, since Rodgers has come onto the scene is, oh, they've never drafted him a first-round receiver. This kid could end up being the best out of all of them. Olave looks fantastic. He looks great. We haven't seen Jamison Williams yet. Traylon Burks is getting fucked by Tennessee. Dotson looks good, but dude, in four years, if, 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 well, let's should say two years because Rogers probably retires. But if Romeo's a thousand yards and 15 touchdowns, like no one's going to remember that they took him in the fourth round. Well, let's just quickly evaluate these guys, right? Alave, very singular downfield threat, right? He's a smaller yeah. guy. There is weaknesses within that game. There's concerns about the health long term because of the size. Um, Williams coming back from the ACL, we don't know yet, but similar right. concerns. Skinnier guy down the field threat. Dotson already you know, hurt. Dotson, but Dotson also possession wide receiver, right? You're not seeing him out there create complete separation like we're seeing from Dobbs. I think the only player as it stands today is George Pickens. Yep. Um, and and the concern, and I've said this to you off off the air, is from a personality perspective, we have already seen him on the sidelines having we'll call it a temper tantrum, frustrations showing, emotions on his sleeve. That does not happen in Green Bay. Aaron right. Rodgers would not stand for it. Aaron Rodgers will literally excommunicate you if that's kind of the way <laughs> you handle yourself. So maybe that was in the conversation in the Green Bay front office, right? And the last thing I will say about Dobbs, um, I think the evaluation and the ability to accelerate your ability on the football field is only going to be expedited by having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Correct. In two years, he could be where he would be 10 years with another organization because he's <laughs> going to have a guy that is going to allow him to understand the, the way football is played, much like Devontae was elevated by Aaron Rodgers. Okay, Matt, so week five is here. We have some games that we've highlighted that we're going to do a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown of for this week five in the NFL. We got to start with our primetime Thursday night game, um, a massive game, a game that I thought would be for big-time seeding in the AFC preseason. Both of my picks to win the division for their respective divisions. Um, that's not how things are panning out right now. It is the Colts are going into Denver to play the Denver Broncos. Right now, the over-under is set at 43 points. The Denver Broncos are three-point favorites at home against the Colts. Um, today, we're recording, what, Tuesday here, the 4th? Yeah, it's looking like Jonathan Taylor might give it a go. That makes me nervous, but it shows the sense of urgency that that team has where they're risking his long-term longevity here for the rest of the season for this Thursday night game against the Broncos because they need a win here. Um, Three feels like kind of a lock for Denver, but I do think the Colts need this game more. What do you think about this matchup here, Matt? Who has the advantage and on what side of the football? I think both of these teams need this game. Um, I know that the Broncos at two and two don't have the same sense of urgency, but when you think about their divisional play, they better. Uh, We did a long talk about disappointment earlier tonight, right? And I am still going to ride the fact that this is going to be in Russell Wilson's hands and Nathaniel Hackett's hands. I ultimately see this game playing out, though, as the Colts defense against Russell Wilson and Hackett. And personally, I'm taking the Colts defense. From what I've seen so Mm. far from Russin, I don't, you know, I don't need to go over this again, but (laughs) I think the Colts defense are going to, is going to make life very challenging. And I say that because Williams being down, isn't just a simple fact of having your RB one slash RB two, you know, flex play on that team because they use him and Gordon kind of similarly, you're losing a very good blocker as well. 
and again, I said earlier, Gordon has fumbled four times this season. You know, how many times are they going to be willing to actually hand the ball off to him? Um, with Mike Boone being slowly integrated into this offense, I don't think he's ready yet to step into that role. So ultimately, Russ is going to have to throw the ball more than he has so far this season. And I think that's going to cause trouble for him and that Broncos offense. Yeah, man, I don't know. It's kind of, That's kind of a bold statement. I do feel you, though. The, I think you and I are both really leaning on this loss of Javante Williams for the Denver Broncos as being a bigger um, impact on their overall offense than I think the national narrative is really bringing about. The Indianapolis Colts, though, let's be honest, man, they have been, like I said, a big disappointment this year. As far as where they are defensively, they're kind of middle of the pack. Um, their pass defense isn't very great. Their rush defense has been okay. But, you know, if they can slow down Melvin Gordon and the other gentleman, it's Boone, right? That That's yep. who this Yeah, and Boone for the Denver Broncos. I do agree. If they can get into a shootout with them, they're in a good position. Now, what's interesting in the other angle, I think it just all depends on, on Jonathan Taylor. And if they're going to use Nakeem Hines is – I think the Colts do have an advantage running the ball against that Denver front. We saw them really, really struggle against Josh Jacobs, which I think that might be an outlier because for some reason, Jacobs always plays really, really well against the Denver Broncos, but that's something that they need to exploit, right? Ryan, throw the ball 20 to 22 times, have Taylor, Naheem Hines, and maybe even their third string running back get you you know anywhere from 40 to 60 runs and i think they win the game they got to control the clock and take advantage of that weaker denver um, rush defense because if they do try and air it out against that secondary and that pass rush i see matt ryan fumbling i see him throwing a couple picks um in in all honesty i'm playing denver defense this weekend because i kind of see it going that way i feel like they're going to abandon the run with taylor being injured and ryan's going to turn it over two or three times yeah, that's a concern of mine as well. Um, I think the loss of Randy Gregory is also not being talked about enough either, right? Losing right. a big-time pass rusher is going to hurt that defensive line and that pass rush attack ultimately for Denver. And again, Thursday night games, they never, ever go the way you really expect them to. It's a five-day turnaround. <laughs> right. uh, there's a lot of things that kind of get in the way of you know the overall operating structure for both teams. And Ryan has been an absolute disappointment this year, but this is this is the game. He has no choice but to go out there and play smart football. And we talked about that earlier, right? Both of these teams, Broncos for me were the disappointment. For you, it was the Colts. Like here they are facing off against one another and like their season's going to take a drastic turn, whoever loses this game. And I again, I would encourage Matt Ryan to attack the middle of the field, play smart. You know, if Taylor's on a snap count or if he's out, you know, lean on Nakeem Hines. Um, the Colts have the better foundation here. And if they can just control the clock, as you alluded to earlier, and allow that defense to play more man. We talked about this, I think, in the preseason. You know, Nine pro bowlers, seven pro bowlers, I think four or five of them on the defensive side, all of which have stayed on this team. They have the players. So far, it does seem like the coaching and the scheme that has caused them issues. But you can say the exact same thing for Denver. Yeah, for sure. But the guys in Indianapolis have been around. They've established this core. This is the guys that they have drafted, developed, and went out and gotten free agency. Jim Irsay came out and nicely, I guess, said that the coach and the GM are on the hot seat. He's getting impatient with them. So that can either be something that sparks the team or puts the nail in the coffin. I think we'll know a lot about both of these teams come Friday morning. Um, we'll get to our picks later on, but I, I do think Denver does have the advantage at home against Indianapolis. 
6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, barely after my morning shit, right when the first cup of coffee is hitting, I think I might have to have an ice-cold Miller Lite in honor of the Green Bay Packers as they go to London to take on the New York football giants. Now, I earlier said, you know, the Giants are probably the fakest team in the league. I get that's a little harsh, but let's be honest. They are overachieving. I guess that's the nicer way to say it, right? I was talking to a buddy at work who's a Giants fan. He's like, fake's a little tough. All right, pal, I guess they're overachieving, okay? Um, Packers coming off a nice victory, stressful victory, but one that I think you and I are pretty proud of, as we talked about earlier and look the giants are, are playing and beating the teams that are put in front of them right you got to give them credit the only loss they had was to a team that's probably better than them but they beat the bears they beat the carolina panthers and they beat a really good tennessee team week one right i think tennessee's back on the up and up now the story of the game is the run defense for green bay they've kind of gotten taken advantage of every single week except for the tampa bay game on the ground saquon barkley is the best running back in football thus far through four weeks i think i saw they're averaging somewhere close to six yards per carry right now i think that includes daniel jones and saquon barkley that's going to be the story of the game going into it but i don't think that's what's going to decide it there's my little tease what what's your thought yeah, and I mean, if we lean on so far what Green Bay has dealt with this season, you look at the Bears game uh, and you look at last week against New England, both games where you allowed the Packers defensive line allowed a heavy run uh, attack, right? We we just, we failed pretty simply. Um, the big thing I looked for was third and fourth quarter, more aggressive behavior, more aggressive play calling. That's what we got, especially last week. Packers were able to climb back in the game, take the lead, lost the lead, came back, take the take the lead, tied the game. And again, it, it falls on Aaron Rodgers. And that's really where my point is going here. Daniel Jones versus Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers all day. Saquon Barkley can go for 200 yards in the first three quarters. It's not going to matter because ultimately Aaron Rodgers is going to utilize Dobbs. He's going to utilize Lazard in that fourth quarter. He's going to march down and he's going to do enough to win that game. Now, the unfortunate thing about this offense right now for Green Bay is you just can't rely on them when it comes to the spread at all. Um, and I don't think you're going to be able to until we've officially established Dobbs as a true number one for Green Bay, right? We kind of talked about that and alluded to that earlier with our breakouts. But as it stands today, we still are maybe two, three, four weeks away from him having that full confidence where he is getting 10 targets a game. And I think that's the key. So I would expect Saquon to come out again. First three quarters, probably 150 yards. We're going to struggle a little bit against him. It's going to be a back-and-forth game. Fourth quarter, we're going to heavily lean on Rodgers, uh, unless that defense can take advantage of Jones. But if I were Dayball, I would lean on Saquon, try to control the clock, You know, try to put them in a position where Aaron Rodgers have, has to come down and get two scores in the fourth quarter, really putting the pressure on Green Bay. But I do expect it to be about a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. Uh, Packers ultimately win this game. Yeah, and a couple things that I saw in here that were pretty interesting, I think things that'll make or break the game, especially in London with the travel, is the numbers are pretty similar on offense and defense, right? The Packers have, you know, they've thrown the ball better. The Giants are the worst passing team in all football, but I think that's just based on their style of play, and they haven't had to throw the ball. And I think that's where the game is actually more or less going to be decided because the Packers are going to get theirs against this Giants defense. They're okay. They're middle of the road. The Packers are going to be able to move the ball up and down on the field on them. They're bottom half in rushing defense, the Giants, and... They don't have the cornerbacks to to stick up with the receivers 
in the passing attack for Green Bay. The other big thing is the New York Giants are one of the heavily penalized, most heavily penalized teams in the National Football League. And that's just something the Green Bay Packers don't do. If my numbers are correct here, they only have 17 penalties through four games right here. And if they can keep that clean, if their offensive line can keep playing well, they allowed one sack last week against New England Patriots, man. Um, I think that's just the recipe for success for Green Bay. I forgot to go over the line before we got into the game. Right now, I think I have it here as an eight point. Uh, the, the Packers are eight point favorites in the over unders at 41 and a half. Similar to last week, though, man, I don't know if the Packers do beat them by eight or more. I think this will be a close game. The Packers just aren't that team that's putting people away right now. Plus traveling to London. Um, I see this coming down to the wire similar to what we saw this past weekend with the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think there's two big takeaways that I wanted to finish this off with. Um, Kadarius Tony could be back in this game. That's a weapon that we have not seen utilized yet this season to its full advantage. We saw what Tony could do last year at the end of the season. Very explosive. I think he could be somebody that Jones leans on to possibly change that passing attack. If they can get him involved, we saw some of the issues in the Green Bay secondary with the inability to play man defense, more of a zone coverage. He will destroy that zone coverage if given time and space. Secondly, I think it's very ironic that Brian Dayball is now running one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL when we <laughs> criticized him so heavily last That's year. That's so true. I mean, I every mean, single suck, week, so. you know, yeah. we, we said, Brian, run the ball, run the ball. I even called for his job last year. And here he is, right, with a, finally a good running back. No disrespect to Devin Singletary, but he is fully leaning on uh, on Saquon Barkley. And credit to him, you know, clearly knows where his weapons are. And I guess maybe that was a problem for him in uh, in Buffalo is he knew that his weapons were Josh Allen and, and partially that running attack with the quarterback and not the running backs. Um, and it, it didn't really go so well the first quarter of the season last year for the Bills. But here he is, you know, kind of learning from those mistakes. Yeah, and, and something else to bring up too. Obviously, another big factor is if Daniel Jones can be able to play, right? He got banged up last week. Um, he's still, the, I haven't seen anything today. I'm sure all the stuff will come out tomorrow. All the guys are out. Uh, usually people are off on Tuesdays. So we'll see how healthy he is. We'll see how his body holds up on that plane ride, right? Like this is yeah. a pretty, pretty big travel week for both the Packers and the Giants. Uh, Rogers was on McAfee's show today, said they're not leaving till Thursday. So that's what the Vikings did this past week. The Packers are going to get in, get out. They don't have a bye coming back. I'm not sure about the Giants, but it should be really interesting. Um, I'm just hoping I'm not too buzzed by like 9 a.m. Pacific time Sunday, or it's going to be a day. See, I'm in the opposite uh, category here. I'm going to get off work. I'm going to hang out. Play a little Fortnite. Oh, wait for the game because you work off. till like five a.m., huh? And then I get to watch the Packers and go to bed, and then I can just you know set my fantasy lineups and wake up to wins or losses. Okay, see that's cool. Maybe I will be all boozed up then because I'll just take a <laughs> shot with you. Like if the Packers win, I'll Facetime you. We'll take a shot, and then like I have the rest of my day, and you'll just be like, "Cool, I'll take a shot with you." Like I'll I'm text you at three, out. four p.m. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I totally Finally forgot get- <laughs> you work super late Saturday night. Yeah, this is finally the time I benefit from one of these games because this is the first time the Packers have been in London. Yeah, first time ever, man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I was talking to a couple of friends, and I think you and I were talking about this, if I didn't have a kid, you and I'd probably be in London, honestly. 
Like, yeah, you know, be sick. If, I, if, if circumstances were a little different in life at this point in time, and I'd bring the lady with me 100%. Yeah. Like, it would be so sick to go out to London. Um, shout out Cheesehead TV. That's my favorite Packers channel. They're going to have this big party at a bar, and they're all going out there for their me- with their media credentials to get in, going to a soccer game and stuff. Like, it would be really, really cool to go to a game out in London, especially since you know the, Pack- the Packer fans are going to travel like crazy there. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And I think for the tickets are relatively affordable because, you know, for the most part, these games are – it's a new marketplace. I could be wrong about that. I have actual no yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say for Packers, um, let's see here. Well, on ESPN, just for frame of reference, tickets as low as $423 to that so game. No. So that's not cheap. Every other game on the slate here, including the Monday night game, is under 250 the next closest one is Cowboys Rams, and that's in LA, and that's two hundred. Um, Steelers Bills two twenty three. Yeah, it's still a Packer game, baby. You're spending money. I'm looking. I'm looking right now on StubHub. That's crazy. I mean, that's good though. That's the whole premise of this entire concept. Well, that's is. why they've wanted the Packers forever, man, and that's why teams wouldn't give up a home game for the Packers. The Packers are giving up a home game for this trip to London because they had the extra ninth home game um, because of the seventeen game schedule. Is why they ended up taking it this year because every away team was like, "I can't give up a Packer game because it's our biggest revenue driver, no matter where it is." Because the Packer fans travel so well and it drives the tickets through the roof. Also, this stadium, I guess, looking on StubHub is a little so different. So sick. It's, uh, it's very differently constructed than American stadiums. It's I think it's a soccer field, correct? <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, uh, I don't know anything about Europe. It's Tottenham, uh, Hosberg or whatever. The Spurs play the Tottenham Spurs. Okay. Um, yeah. You're but looking yeah, it's at a brand new stadium. 350 in one end zone you're looking at 600 in the other end zone if you're looking at prime seats like what would essentially would be in the 1200 a pop yeah 12 1400 a pop like yeah this is this is no joke and like maybe that's the case right <laughs> like maybe you've got some uh some englishmen that are, are are fired up to watch the cheese heads play like that's that's cool like i think that just shows the success that the nfl is having in, in trying to broaden its horizons with you know international marketing um, we've talked at length about the NBA doing such a great job. You know, the NFL has done a great job uh, inside the United States, and, and this is now expanding. Major League Baseball could definitely take a uh, a page out of what the NFL and the NBA has no done. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. All right, let's move on to our favorite segment of the podcast here. It's time to hear Ooh. your roar, Matt oh, Morris. Man. I don't know the Lions, one in three. Had a massive game this past weekend. It really hurt that Amon Ra was out because he would have had 5 million fantasy points this past week against Seattle. But uh, let's hear the take on the line, the, the state of the Lions here. Week five going into New England. They're three point dogs going into New England. Uh, what does that say? 45 and a half for the over under man. And our boy Bailey Zapp getting his first opportunity most likely as a starting NFL quarterback to cement his legacy and to prove us right that he is an absolute legend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be exciting for Bailey and I'm kind of concerned that Bill's not going to really give him the opportunity to really air it out. Uh we kind of saw that last year with Mac Jones in the weather game. We'll call it that against Buffalo where I think he had one or two pass attempts. <clears throat> yeah. I think he could really lean on Stevenson, Harris here. 
um, and make it a, a ground approach, which I think is actually a mistake from the Patriots' perspective. Like this is the opportunity to take advantage of the worst defense in the NFL and really put this game out of out of reach for the Lions because for the most part, Belichick has done such a great job at controlling the offensive production from the opposing teams his entire career. I don't expect that to be very much of a difference this week. The problem is Jared Goff is marching in with the number one offense in the NFL. <laughs> um, and Amon Ra is slated to come back. We saw the explosiveness and the ability of TJ Hawkinson last week. Uh, I... I have faith this week that the Lions can get this done. Um, you know, B- Bailey Zapp is the reason. I just I wasn't that impressed yeah, with the zip on the ball. I think he can build himself into a very very serviceable backup quarterback. We obviously like him, but it, there's going to be a huge disadvantage here. And also, I think this is going to be another show me game in regards to what the Lions have in this division. In regards to when they're show, matched up with the Packers, they have two more games obviously since they haven't played the Packers yet. Packers struggled in the first half of that game to move the ball. Yes, there were turnovers. Yes, there were a couple of things that went wrong. But if the Lions can jump out and just operate their offense effectively, if they can score 21 points here, it's going to be very, very, very hard for that Patriots offense, I think, to uh, match that. Mm, I don't know about that. It's ba- I don't know. Dude, it's Bailey Zapp. He, he did not look good last week. Like He looks, he looked fine. Yeah. But did you see the touchdown? Also played, yeah, I watched looked the like whole game. like he kicked it to him. Yeah, but he also played against the Packers defense, man. Like yeah. the Lions let the boys run up and down the field, no problem. They're like, hey, I'll let you score if you let me score. That's the motto of the Detroit See, Lions. I agree. Year. And I, I agree, but this is a rookie quarterback, right? If you look at their resume so far this season, you know, Jalen Hurts took advantage, right? Geno Smith took advantage. We had we had praise for Geno Smith. It's a very different situation. And to I guess to your point. Yeah, the Patriots can win, but I'll have to be very impressed with Bailey Zapp. Bailey Zapp has to win this game. Oh. I don't think Stevenson and Harris can do it themselves. Right, and I mean, I'll let you know right now. Um, I'm taking the Lions plus the three for yeah, sure. I am like too. I, yeah. especially if Zapp goes. If Hoyer goes, maybe you know. But we, as we were kind of talking about when we said, "Hey, we're going to do our Lions segment here on the pod today," is, "Hey, man, Bailey Zapp, prove us wrong." Like you're yep. playing the worst defense in football. Yep. This couldn't be a better audition tape because he he passed the game against Green Bay, right? Had a terrible possession in overtime, cost them the game. But like, what did you expect? You know what I mean? The defense turned it up. The Packers have a very, very good defense. They might not have played their best game on Sunday, but they're still a formidable force. Um, and I, I think this is his opportunity to, you know, throw for 250, throw a couple touchdowns, don't turn the ball over, hand the ball off. And, you know, what did, what did I say the over-under was? You know, if we can get that thing, 45 and a half, if we can shoot into the 50s, man, and you win the game or you lead the team down to get a field goal to win this game, hey, man, like, I'd be nervous if I was Mac Jones if he plays well. Yeah, yeah I mean, my concern with Zap when we did our tape read was, the zip on the ball. And that was my concern against the Packers. Yeah, he didn't um, have it. He didn't have it. Doesn't have it, at least so far, right? And that's something that we've also talked about with Jordan Love. Hell of an arm just doesn't get it there as fast as Rodgers, right? Or some of the elite levels in the league. Yeah. And I think that that really matters when you're a rookie because your reads are going to be a little bit slower than everyone else. And to your point, go out and prove us wrong. But this Lions defense has now an opportunity to take advantage of a rookie. And if he goes out there and he puts up 300 yards and three touchdowns on him, I'm telling you that locker room is going to be destroyed because <laughs> what what else are you going to do from the Lions defensive coordinator perspective from the defensive yeah, secondary? He might get like, fired. 
it's it's going to be a, a really good game to watch. Um, I think it'll be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend, honestly, because it's two teams trying to find their identity. We know what the Lions' identity now. It's offense first and foremost. Patriots, you know, they're still scrounging around, though. Um, and with a backup quarterback, a third-string quarterback, no less. Moving on to the afternoon games. Um, these afternoon games, Sunday night, Monday night, we have some really, really good matchups. This is a great weekend for football, dude. This is a really, really good weekend for football, for sure. Um, starting off with, I'm sure this is the game of the week at Inglewood. The Rams are hosting the Dallas Cowboys. The Rams limping their way into this game. Cowboys, I think, honestly, have the best defense in football. Them and the Eagles are right there, 1-2. That game will be next week, which I cannot freaking wait for that one. Uh, the Rams are four and a half point favorites. I will be hammering the Dallas Cowboys. That's that's my gut reaction to that. We'll get into our breakdown here in a second. The over under was at 43. I think my eyes are deceiving me a little bit tonight. 43 for the over under on this game. Um, Stafford looked bad against that front for the San Francisco 49ers. The Cowboys have a better front than the San Francisco 49ers. And the Rams just have no identity, man. That's their issue. You brought up the Patriots, right? Still scrounging around trying to figure it out. What are they going to do? I think the Rams are in a similar position, man. Stafford doesn't trust anyone besides Cooper Cup. Cam Akers isn't the guy they thought he was going to be jumping off that injury from last postseason. And Daryl Henderson is Daryl Henderson, right? He's an okay backup. But outside of Cup, their biggest issue is they don't have a second guy, and it's not even close. Like Higby, I think, is his second option right now, and that's just not going to cut it. And for the Cowboys, man, they can run through people with that defense. They're that good right now. Yeah, to me watching the 49ers game, 49ers-Rams game this last week, I would have to disagree with you with the identity. I think their identity is very simple. You just said it. It's Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. That's it. They Ugh. have two running backs of the same profile, Akers and Henderson, same body type, same play style, undersized, not utilized properly. What were they thinking from roster construction? Great job. Congratulations. Why don't you trade all your draft <laughs> picks for elite level players that are now underperforming like Jalen Ramsey? Good job there. Um, Allen Robinson, waste of money, complete waste. He had a jump ball in Dude. the end zone this past Monday that he absolutely should have made. And he's just a bitch. Like, there's no way around it now. Like, he's been a piece of shit in fantasy for three years. He doesn't perform on the field. He's got a he's got a the best quarterback he's ever had and still can't perform. He's not able to beat DBs off his route. He's not able to create separation. He's not able to play the middle of the field. Okay, so you've just wasted 15 plus million dollars on a wide receiver that isn't even your number two option, as you yeah, just it's said. Bad. Um, and Jalen Ramsey, I I think he probably is, at least for me, I'll have to put together a list, probably falling outside the top five corners in the NFL right now. Um, just kind of shadowing players at this point, right? Like not really being able to make tackles. We saw that missed tackle on Debo. Um, this is Aaron Darnold's team now, and he's going to have to make life really, really difficult on Cooper Rush. And obviously Dallas has some issues with that offensive line throughout this year and last year. But I think Dallas wins this game easily. I think Dallas makes life miserable, miserable for Matthew Stafford. And I think we start to hear some chatter around the NFL after this week that maybe the Rams construction of this offense, while have winning a Super Bowl, may lead to some dysfunction over the, the finishing quarter of this year. Well, and maybe the, the hangover is just real, man, you know, and maybe you just don't want it as bad, right? Like football is not easy <laughs> you know what i mean football is not an easy sport aaron donald the big story going into the monday night game was 
I was retiring after playing eight years and getting the taste of that ring is the reason I came back. But not everyone feels the same way. You know, if you're a little tired or you're getting beat, it's like, hey, we won last year. Let's take it easy this offseason, right? Like that's a human reaction to things. And it happens all the look at the Bengals, too. We're going to get to them here in a second. That's another great game this weekend. But man, I don't know. The Rams just look like a shell of themselves. Freaking Stafford looks hurt, bro. But damn, is Cooper Cup good, dude? No, <laughs> like, I, I agree. It's just that, that's it. He's the best player on their team, bar none. Over yeah. Aaron Donald, dude, for sure. He's an absolute baller. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to take the, the throne from sure, Donald. Sure, I know it's different, know? but you know um, what I'm saying? Like, he's, if they didn't have him, they would be bad, bad. I, I, I think the rest of my football career, I will look at the Rams as the biggest pretender Super Bowl champion of all time. I think the Packers <laughs> beat him. I think the, I think the uh, Chiefs beat him. I think the Bills beat him. Uh, and I think they beat him Bengals all Bengals should have. Easily. Um, and look where the Bengals are. Like Bengals had a great postseason run, but let's be honest, there was a lot of luck starting off in Tennessee last year. And what I saw from the Rams last year, which disappointed me and put them in their pow- my power rankings, even after they won the Super Bowl outside of the top four, was the fact that I had said throughout the year that they have holes everywhere because they're overpaying so many players. And you're seeing that absolutely heightened this year, probably because what you're saying, right? I think you see a lack of attention from Ramsey at times. I think Darnold still has the same motor and the same energy. He's just being double teamed. Um, Cooper Cup, obviously out there doing everything he possibly can, but you've got no Odell. You know, Odell, missing Odell is massive. And you see it every single game they play because Allen Robinson is a completely different player than Odell. And it just doesn't fit. You know, it doesn't yeah. fit. So yeah, I was I was off on Robinson. Sorry, go ahead. What are you going to say? I'm just, I, I think the Cowboys come on slaughter. Um, yeah, I don't it, know about a slaughter, but I, I definitely, that four and a half number, I, I might have to text my guy after we finish recording. I'm going I'm, for. I might want to jump on that right now. I might take Cowboys money line. I'm sure the number's pretty good. Guaranteed two interceptions by Stafford. I'm expecting three. He should have had five on Monday night. Should have had five interceptions. Dude. Um, he's 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 hurt. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with him for sure. I yep. think it's that elbow or that shoulder. So there's definitely something. I don't want to disrespect him that much. Like Stafford's a good player, man. But yeah, no, 100%. He, but he, he, you he said it. He's not hurt. look good. Yeah. He does not look good. And he looks un, unquestionably like different than he did last year. Last year, he was throwing picks, but he was just taking risks. Like, Dude, well, he should have had he, two big sixes last night. He was taking risks and he was hitting his guys when they were open. There was that sidearm pass he made to Higby where Higby broke away from uh, the defensive end that oh, was yeah. in coverage on him. On the goal and line, goal to yeah, go yeah. situation. Easy yeah. touchdown. And um, you, you're just thinking to yourself, like, how bad is it? You know, like, how bad yeah. is that elbow where, like, you, it must just hurt on the release where, like, in past years, you're able to actually put the touch on that ball. It's going to be an interesting follow throughout the year, but. Um, I think Cowboys beat him by 17. Uh, I think there's multiple turnovers. <laughs> now, again, from like listener perspective, I absolutely hate the Rams. I hate everything they stand for. Um, so I'm a little biased here, but I, I genuinely think the defense is going to come out and make life very difficult for that Rams team. I love it. I love it. Put a ticket in. Mm. All right, moving over to the the Sunday night game. Bengals-Ravens going to be a banger. Um, the Ravens are at home, so they'll probably blow a lead, you know? So <laughs> let's just start there. Baltimore is a three point favorite. The over under is okay. I thought 
thought that said 40. I need to jump the font up, bro. I can't. Either I'm getting old, I'm too drunk, or my computer. I just, <laughs> I, it's one of the three. Uh, 48 and a half. That seems a lot more realistic. I was going to say, if that's 40 and a half, once again, I'm betting that right now. Um, I think this is going to be a massive, massive matchup for both of these teams, man. The Bengals absolutely annihilated the Ravens twice last year. Once in Baltimore, before all the corners were really hurt. Peters was out, obviously, but they took over in the second half against the Ravens, and that was kind of the start of the demise of the secondary in Baltimore, which has been an issue. They are the worst passing defense in the league. Joe Burrow is played really solid this year. Chase has gone off to a kind of a slow start. Uh, Higgins has been the number one receiver, and they still haven't found a way to get that running game going with Joe Mixon and that offensive line. It's still it's still a story, dude. They did not look good against Miami. Fortunate that Tua got hurt, or I think Miami would have won that game. You know, obviously unfortunate for Tua that whole situation that went down, but. Um, I think this is a, just a massive game. I'm on the fence about everything. It sucks because I have all I'm all in on the Bengals for fantasy. But as everyone knows on here, the Ravens are my team B that I root for because it is uh, it's my lady's team and she loves them a lot. Where are you at on the analysis for this game? What are you looking at? Is it the offense? Is it the defense? Is it Burrow? Is it Lamar? Where, where's your head at on this? I think it's simply how many yards does Joe Burrow throw for? Um, this is the opportunity, as we saw last year, for Burrow, Chase, and Higgins to absolutely light the Ravens on fire. Um, Chase has had a slower time this year. Well, welcome to the number one wide receiver on a team You know, command. That's, that's what you get. Teams aren't looking at him like a rookie anymore. Like They know they have to lock him down. Well, there's really nobody... Uh, Humphreys is good, but like they've had issues with him as well this year. Yeah, Peter, same um, deal. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know what's going on over there, man. Uh, but Burrow should throw for 400 yards in this game. Should yeah. right. Uh, the big thing that I have away takeaway here is this is an opportunity for for Baltimore to finally finish someone off. The concern is the rust has been knocked off the Bengals. We saw that last week. They looked like they were operating at a very efficient level. I don't want to say a prime level because Chase obviously wasn't as involved as I would like to see him or as efficient or and productive as I would like to see him. This is his game. This is the Chase and Burrow game. Um, I, I think we see 150 yards from Chase, and I think we see Burrow really take advantage of the secondary. And Lamar is going to have to keep up, and I genuinely think he can. I have my own concerns about the Bengals secondary. I do think they're better than the Ravens. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I agree. But this is this is going to be a shootout. This, this isn't going to be a defensive game by any means. Um, Mixon had a good game as well. I, I think personally the Bengals are operating at a, at a better level, so I'm going to take them in this game. Yeah, um, and the Bengals stalled out twice in the red zone and had to settle for field goals and still scored a decent amount against that solid Miami defense. Um, the thing that I'm getting really, really worried about with the Ravens is they're losing with elite level Lamar play. You know, mm. like last week he played... I, not elite. He played fine. You know, I wouldn't necessarily put the game on him. That's for sure. But how many games are you going to get like this out of Lamar? Is he really going to play 17 games out of this world? Like, it's just not going to happen, man. And I, I don't know what's going on with the defense. Their pass rush sucks. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Um, it's Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. And that's it, bro. And for that reason, I, I agree with you. I'm sadly it hurts me to say because i am biased here like i i'm gonna lean Bengals plus the three i'm definitely gonna lean the owner like you said it's definitely gonna be a shootout but 
I expect Burrow to go off, man. I agree with you. I expect 350 from him, right? I'll probably put a bet in on his over. I'm sure it's somewhere in the 270, 300 range. He's going to throw it 50 times because why wouldn't they, bro? Just why wouldn't they? Um, the Ravens will be in a world of hurt, a world of trouble if they go two and three. Well, and that's the biggest takeaway from this. This is a divisional game. This is going to matter, right? Like these are no arguably doubt. the two best teams in that division, right? If you look at the For Browns, sure. you look not at the close. Steelers, it's, like it's, 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 it's between them. them. Yeah. Um, and you have you have one team in the Bengals trending up, and you have the Ravens trending down with the the, the blown leads. Like they've had a great start to the first half of all of their games and yet they can't find a way to finish. Um, yeah, it's, I got the Bengals here, man. It, and it's sad because this team <laughs> was built around defense, the, that being the, the Ravens organization. They finally got the quarterback and like poor Lamar, all of his tender there hasn't really had a good defense at times. They've shown flashes, you know, but it hasn't been elite level throughout an entire season. And, Oh, maybe his rookie year. Now that his I rookie say that. year when yeah. he wasn't polished, yeah. like big whoop. You know, they had a yeah. declining Joe Flacco and a kid who they didn't even know who he was, and he weighed a buck seventy five, mm-hmm. soaking wet. Like, you know what I mean? What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. So wrap that one. Bengals. I've got them. I, I think Bengals. Yeah. Probably win by a touchdown in this game. Uh, yeah, I still I like the field goal, but. Let's move on. Um, last game, Monday night, another great game. Chiefs in primetime. No surprise there. I think they've got like four more primetime games, but they deserve it. Pat Mahomes is so sick, dude. It's just a joke how good he is at football. Um, this has Raiders let down written all over it, bro. This has the Las Vegas Raiders high on their own supply, played a great game against Denver, put the Broncos away, did everything we expected them to do to come to Kansas City like Raiders are here. It's our time for an absolute letdown. It's a seven point spread right now. Kansas City is a touchdown favorite at home. I think that's generous. I think the Raiders are going to get absolutely smacked Monday night. Yep, absolutely. But I will say this. Um Devontae Adams over 75 yards and a touchdown. I think you can lock that in. I think this is the game where we see Devontae really targeted because the Chiefs just don't have a lockdown corner. Um, and as we've talked about, okay. they're still trying to find their way in that secondary. I think with this being a blowout, Carr's really going to look at Adams, and I think we're going to see maybe 15 targets to Adams this game. Um, so, you know, FanDuel, whatever you have, take the 75 yards, touchdown, whatever his yardage is, because I, I think he's easily going to break 100 yards this week. Um, but you're, you're right. This is, this is where the Raiders season ends. I'm, I'm putting their, <laughs> I'm putting their gravestone in the ground and I'm kicking dirt on it because they're going to be, they're going to be one of four after this game. And, um, you can't recover from that in that division. And the real question is going to then be, you know, does national media start talking about D- Derek Carr? Like, is he the problem? Um, I think it's unfortunate that they've had some close games this year that they probably should have been in more, but they're going to lose by 17 points well i don't (laughs) that's your favorite number tonight um i I just like it's interesting to me like are you gonna get josh jacobs running again man like give the give the guy the the ball until he gets hurt you know like he'll probably get hurt this year but give the man the football he looks great when he's got the ball and he's the reason they beat the broncos this past weekend bro so if they can get him going and keep Mahomes off the field They'll have a shot, but they just won't do that. Like, I just know you, you see this every I feel like the Raiders always have their big win the week before they play the Chiefs for the past at least 
two seasons, bro. And he's going to go in there and they're going to get smoked. They're not going to stop Mahomes. He dominates them every single time, especially at home. Primetime game, Arrowhead Stadium. I just don't see this going the Raiders' way unless somehow, some way, they control the clock, run through Jacobs. But that Kansas City defense has been playing well. I agree with you. They let Mike Evans beat him. So what? They still smoked the Bucks, bro. Well, that's um, my point here. They they yeah. put up 40 points on the Buccaneers. 40. They're going to they're going to beat these guys by They're playing they might, they're playing like they're they getting beat disrespected. Them by four touchdowns. Like, There's nothing you hate. Yeah. There's nothing you hate more from a good player than them feeling disrespected, you know, as mm-hmm. the opponent and that's just how Mahomes, Kelsey and the boys seem to be playing thus far. Um I'd be shocked with a letdown from the Chiefs. I I don't know if that's a pick. That's that's a pretty big number and crazy things happen in the NFL, but I this has letdown written all over it to me. Yeah, it, it'll be a good No, it's not it's not even gonna be a good game. I'm sorry, I'm such a Raiders <laughs> hater, but this is this is how, what how, this is what gets back to roster construction. And they've put all these weapons around Derek Carr, and he just isn't able to utilize them the way that, that other quarterbacks have, or you know, other play callers have. And you're right with Jacobs; like this should be a run game first. Utilize Adam, uh, utilize Hunter Renfrew in that slot position, and it just doesn't seem like they can ever find the proper balance. I am excited to watch this game, though, and I honestly, I hope I'm wrong. I, you know, I don't want the Raiders to win this game, but I would love to see this be like a three point game and an actually really entertaining game in regards to a close score. I just don't think it's going to end up that way. All righty. Well, you know how we end every single episode. We will give out our picks that we like for the week. We both had a pretty nice week last week. You'd love to see it. Um, I'll let you go first. You, you've been going first. It's been good for both of us. Do the honors, please. I think we have a yeah. couple similar ones. Um, Vikings at home against the Bears minus seven. Lock it in. Oof. Eagles on the road, five and a half point favorites. Uh, taking the Eagles there. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think the defense is going to absolutely mop up Kyler Murray. Chiefs at home. Just talked about that game minus seven. <laughs> Lock it in because I said you know they're going to beat him by twelve touchdowns. Um, and then obviously I felt very strongly about the Cowboys. They're actually four and a half point dogs. That's a lock. Oh yeah, absolute yep. lock. Yep. Um, I have two. I only have three. Two of the three are ones that you mentioned already. First one, I'm surprised you didn't pick them. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions plus three <laughs> on the road in New England. That one's going to be the biggest sweat out of the three of them, in my opinion. I also love the Cowboys plus five and a half, and I love the Eagles minus five on the road. Um, alt spread that minus a million. They're going to absolutely fucking kill the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't see that going any other way. And if it does, that's football, baby. And that's why we love it. But no chance in hell do I think the Cardinals have a shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. The other one I liked wasn't really comfortable locking in was uh, Titans minus three and a half. I thought about that too. It's a trap. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it seems like it seems like a trap game. You know, I mean, I know they're on the For road. Sure. Um that's but a I, I feel bro. I feel very strongly. I think the one I like the most out of all of these is actually the Vikings at home against the Bears. Like, talk about the fakest team in the NFL. It's hands down the Bears. Um, 
uh, I'm interested yeah. to see how badly the Vikings control this game and take advantage. And, you know, can David Montgomery's questionable designation fall off? Can he play? Can that change the parameters of this game? But um, I feel very good about this week. Yeah, them traveling from London's a bit of a concern for me. That's the only real reason I'm Dude, not fully on board. I it's know. I feel you. I feel you. They're, like, they're bad. They're they're bad. It's like me and you playing basketball against Austin. It's unfair. <laughs> Awesome, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast. We'll see you guys next week to break down what happened here in week five, some of our best and worst from the weekend, and then, of course, previewing week six, giving out some picks and analysis. Find us on Twitter at PitcherBetPod. Me, Matt underscore guest. Matt Morris at Matt underscore E underscore Morris. And you can find us on TikTok and Instagram as well for daily posts and updates and clips from the pod and ourselves. Cheers. Later, guys.